Leadership is a primary extension of God's first commission for humanity to rule in His image. Because the world had different ideas about how to lead, Jesus came to model what kingdom leadership looks like. So join me, Julie Lefebvre, and my team of rotating co-hosts as we seek to encourage and equip kingdom leadership on earth as it is in heaven. Welcome to the Kingdom Leadership Podcast. This is Julie Lefevre, and today, Jimmy Nickel and I are going to have a conversation about what we're offering to leaders this summer to help you guys fill up and be with Jesus. Hello. I'm excited about today. We're going to turn the tables a little bit. Not These are never interviews, but I'm going to be asking Julie some questions about how this idea came to be and how it's going and how you as leaders can join in. So I'm excited. Yay. So first, should we talk about how we've experienced grace this week? And you can take the lead. I can go first, man. Yeah. So I had to think about this because to be honest, so two weeks ago, we sent our second off to boot camp. And so we've been major grieving in our house, just major mm-hmm. life transition and uh, things have, yeah, we're just trying to get used to new normals and it's been challenging, I think for all of us. So when I was thinking about this week, I thought, Oh, I haven't given grace to anybody. And, and then I thought, well, I guess I've experienced a lot of grace because I know I've had interactions with people that haven't been very grace filled. And yet I have, yeah, been the recipient of people still walking with me, moving toward me, uh, reaching out, praying for me, things like that. So, uh, in in a way, it was good for me to have to stop and think about that because I so easily forget those things and focus more on my funk than on the ways that really people are just continue to to walk with me and surround me with grace. It's so good to be in community. Yeah, it is. During, especially during these major life changes, yeah. which it's funny because that's what I was going to talk about as well. Um, if you know our family, you know Phil has just started a new job working full time here at church, which he'd mm-hmm. been at his previous job for 15 years. Oh, wow. And, I didn't realize so long. Yeah. Well, just barely short of 15 years. Yeah. Um, so it's just been a, a huge transition for our family. And um, also different to have him coming into this space that has been where I work. Um, so I've just been grateful. I think because it is, it is happening within our community. It's also just been hard to know who to be able to share my own struggles with. Mm. And I was just walking with a friend a few mornings ago and I said, I want to be able to say some of these things. And but they're not, they're not filtered. They're not prettied up. (laughs) And she just said, I am a safe person. You can like, and just having someone like declare that, like, I know I have, I have good, safe people, but there's just something really powerful for me to hear her just say, I am a safe person. Um, and to know that I could, yes, talk about the hard stuff that come with life in transition. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to have a conversation today about being with Jesus, which is just what we need when life's in transition, <laughs> right? But Yes, uh, it is. Yeah. Before we dive into it, Julie, do you want to give us a little bit of a summary of what what it is that you're offering to leaders this summer in case we have someone listening that doesn't even know what we're talking about? <laughs> sure. I Yeah, so we're calling it a summer to be, and the reason is because 
Jesus tells us to come to him. He tells us to abide. He tells us that he wants us to pursue him, to be with him. And just as I was kind of preparing for summer, just was so impressed with this idea that, you know, how am I at just being with Jesus? And to be honest, I just don't think I'm very good at it. So I started thinking about ways to get better at it. (laughs) And so one of the books that I found, it's called Sacred Rhythms. It's written by Ruth Haley Barton, and she's written a lot of books on spiritual practices. She is heavily influenced by Dallas Willard. I know a lot of us have read a lot of his stuff, and she just has a real heart for helping people to understand how to be with Jesus. And so what we're doing is we're reading through that book. If we can, people are invited to, leaders are invited to read through, but it's not mandatory. It's kind of supplemental. And then about every three weeks, we are gathering to practice because one of the things I recognize is that when we're trying to practice something new, you just need space for that. And we were moving into a summer season where I think for a lot of us, summer seems to In some ways, you would think that we'd have more space, but because of all of the changed schedules, it just feels a lot harder to do things that are new. And so the goal of these every three-week gatherings is to just provide some structured space uh, for leaders to come and to practice together. So we get together either at, is it 5.30? I think it's 5.45. 5.45. I was thinking, I think it's 5.45. Uh, in the morning or at noon on that same Friday. And it's it's about an hour and 15 minutes of kind of guided practice. Uh, so about half of it is guided. And then the second half is kind of yours to use to practice being with Jesus. And so it's been a fun, we've done one and we're getting ready to do one other one. When this podcast is released, it'll be the following Friday. The, ne- the upcoming Friday. So if any of you haven't come, feel free to just pop in. Uh, you don't need to have read the book. Uh, you'll have everything you need to walk through the the hour. And I think it's been pretty meaningful. Yeah. I thought that first Friday was so good. And I mean, to be very transparent, I had just come from a very hard interaction with my kids. Mm. So even to just have that time to kind of unwind from that, like just to have my perspective reoriented instead of just trying to keep going to the next thing. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, there was, it was really a peaceful place and just a, yeah, I think we just have so little opportunity to be quiet that Mm -hmm. having that built in and even just the I think there's just about, I know we are going to be talking about solitude later, which does mm-hmm. not indicate being with other people, mm-hmm. but there was something about doing that in a room with other people who are doing the same that I think was really helpful too. Yeah. You know, the reason that we even are doing this is because this past year, for me, as with probably everybody, because of just the uniqueness of the past year has just left me really empty and I remember thinking, and maybe it was March or so, that, man, why am I so empty, even though I'm still, every day, I read my Bible, I pray, 
I'm doing these things, but why, in a sense, I kept thinking, why is it not working? Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not working. And as I cried out to God and as I was dealing through with my own anxiety and as I was just trying to find answers, I realized that I was focusing so much on becoming a better person. You know, my my life's goal from the beginning of time, beginning <laughs> since I can remember, has been to become more like Jesus. It's what we preach. You know, we even have these t-shirts and we've talked about it before on this podcast. You know, we are experiencing grace so that we can become more like Jesus. And I was listening actually to Ruth Haley Barton, the author of this book, and she was she was talking about if becoming like Jesus is your primary goal, you're you have the wrong primary goal. And it about Whoa. took my breath away. I thought, "What?" We have shirts, you know, we can't, you know, how could we, how could that be wrong? And then she just challenged us to consider that becoming better, becoming more like Jesus, it's good. Like we want that, that it's not bad, but what's so much more important and what I was missing, which I think is the entire point is to be with Jesus, that, that, the whole of life is supposed to be to dwell with God. From the very beginning of Scripture, God tells us, He shows us how His His goal is to dwell with us, to be with us. It's in the beginning and it's in the end that God finally dwells with His people. And so He doesn't reserve that for the beginning of time and the end of time. He wants that even now. Mm. It's why when Jesus came to earth, he said, the kingdom is here now. And I think part of what he meant is that you can be with God now. And so uh, that's kind of the why of why I wanted to, for myself, pretty much, this was a completely selfish ambition that I needed some structure and I wanted to practice And I just like inviting people along (laughs) so I don't have to do it by myself. And so that's kind of the reason why, um, yeah, we're pursuing a summer to be. So how did you then, so that was your personal reason. Then how did you see the need for this among leaders as we approach this summer of 2021? Well, I think part of that, part of the answer is that I was in a class and we were supposed to pick a ministry issue, something that we saw that was maybe lacking. And I just started thinking about, you know, I'm in the middle of kind of this journey and I started thinking about all of the ways that we equip leaders to lead. Mm. And Mm. every single thing that we have done for leaders, well, Maybe not every, I would say 90% of the things that we have done, that our trainings, our processes, the way we meet with people is all geared toward equipping them for output. It's skills training. It's lessons for how to do. It's the becoming more or, you know, becoming becoming better leaders, right? Yes, exactly. And what we've missed is helping them to helping leaders, helping all of you to fill up first before you can pour out. So we tell you, make sure you're filling up, but we haven't done anything 
to, or we haven't done as much Mm -hmm. to equip leaders here at Westridge to fill up. And so that became my class project. And so now we're living out the project. So, or at least a simplified version of it. (laughs) That's so good. Well, and I think, you know, you're saying we haven't done much, which we, I was just, I was thinking about this since I knew we were going to talk about it today and just the little we have done this, the silent retreats that you've had us participate in or led us through have been so incredibly powerful. And so then you think about the parts that we have done have been so fruitful, Mm -hmm. you know, and then it's like, yes, why are we spending the 90% of our time doing other things things. (laughs) instead of more time on this where we've just seen God move and work and speak to people. And so um, I love the, the shift. And I think too, just as I think about this summer in particular, I feel like for so many people, and I think maybe we've talked about this when we talked about summer, there's been a bit of a a swing of the pendulum, right? Yeah. Like last summer after not doing anything, I feel like this summer is just jam-packed. Packed, yeah. And that's such a, it's also, it's like this p- pendulum swung quickly, right? So we Very went from quickly. nothing <laughs> to a ton. So I feel like the need yeah. feels even greater this summer as we're coming out of COVID re-entering crazy, chaotic, busy life. Yeah. And um, I feel like the, yeah, it's even more needed ma- maybe now than ever. Well, and I think just related to that COVID, and I'm just going to call it the COVID year, but knowing that there were so many layers to that, yes. that it it drained us. It cost us a lot. And so it took more than it gave, I think, for most oh, of us. Definitely. So we're emptier than normal. It punched big holes in big our holes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and then now we're jumping in to full full board mm-hmm. schedules and we're still empty and there hasn't been space to refill. And so, yeah, you mentioned the silent retreats. And I think I was so shocked after the first one when people would say things like, where has this been mm-hmm. <laughs> for mm-hmm. all my life? And it, it almost woke us up to this idea of, wow, we're missing out on some really helpful practices that help us to fill up. And, and yeah, and it was so satisfying. It almost gave it, made us thirsty for more. So, and partly just, yeah, thirsty for that space to Mm -hmm. be able, because I would guess some people even knew many of the practices that just don't have that kind of space to participate in them. Mm. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about the book that Julie mentioned, Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton, which is just, well, I say it's fantastic, but to be honest, I've only read a few chapters, but I read them a few times because it's so good. (laughs) I don't even feel like I need to move on. Um, So we're going to talk about chapter two, where she um, writes about solitude. Um, The chapter, again, was so good for me to read. I've read it a couple times, and I even asked if maybe we could just read it on the podcast. I'm sure that's like a copyright (laughs) violation somehow. But I just, if you have the book and you haven't read it, I say pick it up because it is really powerful. And if you haven't read it and you don't have it, I have oh. about five extra copies. So first come, first serve. Well, that's great. Grab me and I'll, it's yours. Okay. So do we want to start by just kind of talking about what solitude is? Yeah. You know, <laughs> I have always heard this phrase, solitude and silence or silence and mm-hmm. solitude. And I've always kind of had this inkling that it's probably important, but I've never made time for it because I just thought, I don't know what 
to do in that time and place. But, but so I love what she said about it. And if you have a book, you can look on page 32. If you don't, then that's all right. You can just listen along. But one thing that I loved about what she said about solitude is that it's a place inside myself where God's spirit Mm. and my spirit dwell together in union. Mm. And when we think about this need to be with God, if we're not making space to be in solitude so that our my spirit and the spirit of God can dwell together, no wonder it's hard to feel like I'm ever with him or that I'm I'm dwelling with him. So so I just think that's so good and you know so uh the title of this book is even or I mean of this chapter solitude is is creating space for God and I I just think that's when I think about solitude that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to create a space for God so that his spirit and my spirit can be together can dwell together so good on that same page she also just says you know in when we add silence to our solitude and because we can be in solitude and avoid uh, silence Absolutely. right <laughs> yes this is because in silence we choose to unplug not only from the constant stimulation of life in the company of others like that's the solitude part right mm. but also from our own addiction to noise words and activity like mm. oh it's just so true and we just now have that so readily available to us at all times that it's easy for there to be no space for God in our lives. It's easy to just work that right out. Yeah. I mean, how many of you have said or heard somebody say, I just don't ever hear God. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true. But my question then for myself is how much am I doing to get quiet enough to hear God. You know, she also talks in this chapter about how solitude is a place for our souls to come out. Mm-hmm. That it's hard for our souls to come out when into our chaotic, busy mm-hmm. lives. In the in the chapter before, even she talks about that one of the goals is to kind of get in touch with, like even just be back in touch with our souls. Mm-hmm. I think we can just lose our connection with what is true about us and you know, she points out that we used to have these very natural pockets of Mm -hmm. silence and solitude that were built into our lives. Like it used to be that if you went on a walk, Mm -hmm. you could experience some silence and solitude. Or even if you were driving in your car, if you chose not to turn on the radio, there were no interruptions. Um, But now our lives, especially because of our our wonderful and horrible cell phones, (laughs) um, we're just our lives are filled with noise and interruption and this need to be accessible all the time. I mean, we were talking before about how mealtimes, while with other people, used to at least be not, we weren't accessible during that yeah. time. Um, so yeah, our our experience of life has changed so much from even just 10 years ago, the yeah. way that, um, yeah, our world is full of noise now. It is. And I, I think one of the things that I, think about the need for silence when I think about and solitude. I'm going to use one word and really I mean both of those kind of together. Mm -hmm. Uh, This past year, uh, I've been yeah pretty open about just experiencing anxiety for the first time. And part of it was because I I just never stopped. I, Mm -hmm. I made myself available 
you know, almost 24 hours a day to something. And, you know, I think about that very first passage that I referred to about how Jesus invites us Mm -hmm. to come and he invites us to abide in his love and he invites us, well, he invites us to come and rest. And I just think about, wow, I just didn't do that this past year. And so now, and she talks about this in the book, that one of the most pressing things, she said, I think all of us need rest more than we think we do. Mm-hmm. When I think about when Jesus says, come and rest, <laughs> I've just thought so many times, like, I'm coming, but I'm not feeling rested. You know, mm-hmm. how do I do this? And I think this is one of the answers. It's we get, we pursue solitude and we sit in it and we we stop. We don't do anything. We get still. And that's where we're going to start recovering. But man, it is so difficult to mm-hmm. stop. Well, yeah, she says solitude becomes a place of rest for us rather than another place of human striving and hard work. Just mm-hmm. that it's that our solitude, our silence is not intended to be a place of striving. But when mm-hmm. that's the pattern, like when that's, and when we just have this, we have this need, right, to be productive, it feels like yeah. there should be there should be something coming out of our silence and solitude, mm-hmm. right? But really what the, the fruit of it should be rest. Yeah. And, you know, we have this desire to be productive and why we want to be productive because ultimately we want to receive satisfaction from ourselves right. instead of from God, the giver of all good things of life and joy and peace. And so, you know, when when we think about it, why are we trying to make this exchange of my productivity, my doing, 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 going, 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 when Jesus invites us to come and rest, just be, just be right. with me. Man, that So <clears throat> that first silent retreat, I remember we spent a lot of time in um, the 23rd Psalm, yeah. and I remember feeling like the the thing that I heard from God was to just, was to stop fixing, like stop, mm-hmm. stop trying to fix other people, but also stop trying to fix myself. But then that feels, mm-hmm. feels kind of counterintuitive, right? Because what you were saying before, like, I want to be more like Jesus. And that seems to me that could only come from fixing, fixing what's wrong. Yeah. Right. But then the more I sat with it, the more mm-hmm. I thought, you know, what's on the other side of fixing? Like, cause I thought, well, what, what happens if I stop fixing? And you're like, I think the the other side of that, the other side of just being with God, that's where you experience the fruit of the spirit. It's mm. not from trying to do those things more. Mm. It was from, I felt like it was from stopping and yeah. that on the other side of fixing was love and joy and peace and patience. Mm. Um, and that just, I felt like that was like a bit of a mind blowing experience. I was like, wait, I don't get those things by working harder. Like that's, yeah. that had been the the message that I had heard, not necessarily from anyone, but just the the story I believed was yeah. those things come from striving. But that's right. uh, now I don't think that's true. Yeah. And, you know, we talk up a lot here about training. And so we want to pursue things. We want to train ourselves. But part of me wonders if we have we focus too much on training to become instead of training to be with. 
Because when people are in proximity with Jesus, he changes us. Like we can't change us. We can, so we're not saying that we're not going to train, but we're, we're, we're identifying what we're training for. And so we're going to try and train to put ourselves in the presence of God, of Jesus, of his spirit, so that the spirit can do the transforming work that we can't do. Right. Because I still absolutely want to be changed, but the changing comes from him, not from me. Right. You know, uh, Richard Foster is uh, the spiritual disciplines guru, and he writes that spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices, spiritual rhythms, whatever a terminology you want to use. He says that spiritual disciplines are the main way that we offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. We are doing what we can with our bodies, our minds, and our hearts. God then takes this simple offering of ourselves and does with it what we cannot do. And I think the more we remember that, the better we will be. Yes, I love that idea of thinking about these practices as an offering of ourselves. Yeah. Not, you know, not as another box to check, not as another thing to achieve, but just as a as an offering. Yeah. You know, on page 35, she writes that no wonder we feel disconnected from God because we are rarely mm. able to give him our full attention in solitude and silence. And I thought, man, if we want God to be doing this big work, but we can't even pay attention, you know, we We've been so programmed to go, go, go and multitask and do all the things. Uh, And so I think solitude and silence invites us or gives us space to practice giving ourselves completely. Doesn't mean we do it perfectly. Right. Uh, My experience is that I do it terribly. I went out today. uh, It's become my daily practice. I try and spend um, different amounts of time just sitting in silence and solitude And today I sat there for 10 minutes and then I realized, I don't think I thought about God one time. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't work, you know, again. And I'm, I'm just, ah, but the, the idea is that it just showed me how we have to practice this. We have to do something so that we have to do it over and over and over and over. And it's probably going to be a lifetime of figuring it out because I've got to undo a lot of years of opposite training. <laughs> you know, right. I've, I've really been training for the opposite for 46 years. And so now I've got to start training something new. Well, and the fact, I mean, even just thinking about the way she talks about it allowing our soul to come out, mm-hmm. that may have been what your soul needed to come out today too. Just right. this that it's going to take a while when we are so, yeah, like we said, our world is so full of noise and distraction that sometimes it's just going to take a bit for it does happen. Well, and that brings up a good point that, you know, I've been practicing, I've, I've, (laughs) I've gotten up to, you know, different time amounts, but sometimes it takes even more than that. You know, that's what was valuable about the silent retreats because it was multiple hours of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in a morning when I have 10 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever, it's almost not enough time to get through all of the noise mm-hmm. to get down to those deeper soul issues. And yet I think it's so important 
to find ways to make our soul feel safe enough to be able to come out because yeah, that's God is in the, the business of healing and restoring and, and he wants health and life at a soul level, not just a body or mind level. So one of the other things she's, she talks about in this book, as far as what is solitude, um, she talks about this idea of being with what is that, mm-hmm. um, it's important for us to have time and space for being with, with what's real in our lives to celebrate the joys, grieve the losses, shed my tears, sit with questions, feel my anger, attend to my loneliness. Just how shut off are we from those things mm-hmm. most of the time? Like it's easier to, I think so often to just kind of shut the door on all of that so that we can get the next thing done. Yeah. But really just like what you're saying, like we can't experience healing and wholeness and relationship with God without knowing what's really like without being with what is in our life. And I do think I would, mm-hmm. I've been thinking about this because I, I think it happens in solitude with God, but like I mentioned earlier about safe people, I think it also can happen with safe people mm-hmm. when you're with people who are really who are really truly for you and with you and really, you know, pursuing God alongside you. I feel like that that has been a place for me to be with what is in my life, to be able to have mm-hmm. people that I can say what is really true and to know that they will show me grace when it's wrong and yeah. um, help point me in, maybe help point me in the right direction. Like no, without, like they won't react with judgment, but they also like, for the example, like if I'm sharing about a conflict with my husband, they're also not going to put fuel on the fire. Like they're not right. like, I don't think, you know, it's so different to, you know, be with people who are with you and for you and be able to say what is true for me. That's just been a really healing thing. So I think it's true in solitude. I also think it's true with safe people. Yeah, because solitude gives us a place to let God be with us. And Mm -hmm. it feels vulnerable. Sometimes I think we don't want to be with our stuff because (laughs) we don't like it when we feel broken or sad or all those negative emotions. But God isn't overwhelmed by them. And he wants to be with us in those because he's the healer. and he. And I think there's some truth that those things are part of the human experience. You know, Jesus was sad. He was Mm -hmm. disappointed. He was tired. He was all of the things. And those didn't make him a bad person, Mm -hmm. (laughs) obviously. Um, And to be able to move through, I think we have to move through those things, not just around them. Right. And so I think God wants to be with us in the middle of it and through it. I think she she kind of concludes the chapter just by talking about how you know the book is full of more practices and I think she calls them spiritual sustenance which I like mm-hmm. that phrase but just yeah. that really solitude is so foundational to the other practices so if we yeah. can learn how to spend time in solitude all these I think our experiences with the other practices will be so much richer um, if we know how to get quiet and still first you know, one of the things that she talks about is just she she almost has a hard time explaining how silence and solitude has been so meaningful to mm. her. She's like, I don't even know if I can explain this right, but this is just all I can do. And she writes that this experience is absolutely the only thing that fills the longing of mm. my heart. And I don't know if that's going to be true for everybody. But I do know that God created us to be with him and being with him 
is challenging, especially in our world of go, 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 go. And so if we can practice this one way, I just think it may not be the one thing for us, but I do think it will be a significant thing for all of us. That's so good. So um, what do you think, what do you think some of our obstacles to solitude are? I mean, I know the Friday offerings, I mean, they're not, they're not quite solitude because again, we are with people. We do get a taste of it. And I know for me, I think after I do that, I think, oh, I just desperately want more space for that. I feel like at my house, the obvious answer is figuring out how to get up early before my kids. But you know, (laughs) what about, I mean, I'm thankful they don't get up quite as early as they used to, but I know parents whose kids wake up before six. I know parents or just employees who work the night shift. Like what? What do you say to those people as they're like, well, how do I even start when it feels, and I guess there's, there were two questions there. Like, what are the obstacles? I've kind of talked about mm-hmm. some of them, but then also how do we begin this practice? How do we start? Well, yeah, I think we've kind of alluded to some of the obstacles. I think just very practically speaking, we live in a world that's so busy and that draws us into go, go, go and busy, busy, busy and engage, engage, engage it's trained our brains in some ways to have to go, go, go. And so I think one of the best ways that we can start (laughs) to try to fight that is to recognize how important Mm -hmm. it is. You know, Dallas Willard, this is going to be kind of my paraphrase of something that he said, but he, he essentially was drawing attention to the idea that when we undertake disciplines, that it's a way, it it kind of shows that we see something as important. So when we decide to run a marathon or something like that, we start exercising and, and we spend the time to learn about it. We engage the process. We get a schedule. We arrange our life around the processes that are required to help us do that. And Willard challenges us that what if we seriously, we took seriously the idea of following Christ and considered it at least as big a challenge as running a race? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so when we think about the ways that we prioritize things, you know, summer's here. And so those of us with kids were like, okay. Let's prioritize their stuff. So we sign them up for swimming lessons. We sign them up for baseball. We sign them up for football. We sign them up for all the things. And we prioritize that. Uh, Those of us who, man, you could give a million different examples, uh, decide to, like I said, um, be in a book club. And so we prioritize time to read. Those of us who want to, well, I'm in a group where we've said, okay, we are going to go out for lunch every three weeks. And so we prioritize it and we, we show that it's important by putting the amount of time and effort into it. And so I've just been challenged by Dallas Willard's thoughts on this, that this is important. Like we are talking about probably the most important thing in our lives. We're talking about finding ways to know and experience our creator. And so the obstacles are real. And I would, I would invite people to not feel like they have to do an hour every day now, (laughs) you know, don't feel like you have to go to from zero to 60 and however many seconds would be fast. Um, (laughs) 
don't even know. Uh, but I do think it's something that, you know, run your first mile. So if mm. you can say, I'm going to start with two minutes of solitude, two minutes, we all have two minutes in our day. Stay in the bathroom a couple minutes longer. <laughs> um, I think starting small. Uh, so first of all, prior understanding how important this is and then starting small and get some quick wins would get us off to a good start. Well, and even like we talked about before, we used to have these natural pockets yeah. of silence and solitude. And I think we can take back some of those, whether it's turning off the radio while you're in the car. Mm. Um, a few years ago when I was, when I used to be a runner and I would run regularly, I decided that two days a week, I was not going to take my phone with me. I was not mm. going to listen. I mean, so often right now with life with younger children, I use those opportunities to listen to what I want or, yeah. um, but to instead just, and that wasn't even quite honestly, it wasn't even to spend time with God. It was to let my brain like unravel. Cause it was mm. like, I just needed the space even for Again, I felt like I was a long ways from my soul coming out because there was yeah. so much in that I was just there. getting tamped down all the time. So I think, you know, being able to go on a walk without my phone, like without just um, allowing ourselves times where we are inaccessible, uh, which feels like dangerous and vulnerable and all these things now. But I, I think we could do it. It does. I do too. And for anyone listening, you know, we're if you're listening to this on the Monday that it comes out on Friday, we're going to be showing up here at church, either 545 in the morning or noon uh, at lunchtime. And I just invite you to show up and take, you'll have an hour and 15 minutes to try several different ways of experiencing God in a personal way. And we usually close with becoming like Jesus, but obviously today really we're talking more about being with Jesus. So yeah. hopefully we've given you some ideas for how you can even, yeah, start a very small practice of solitude, um, looking for opportunities for silence, and you know, learning how to be with Jesus this summer. All right. Thanks, everyone. We're so glad you joined us for this conversation and hope you'll join us next time. May his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.